0: Show come on let's go It's time for the legal lens Show come on let's go It's time for the legal lens It's time for the legal lens Go 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 Good morning, KBLA Talk 1580 listeners. This is Angela Redock-Wright, and you're tuned in to Legal Lens with Angela Redock-Wright. We come to you each Saturday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, coming to you from the heart of Leimert Park, uh, USA, and for those of you who know, Lemur Park is part of the Crenshaw District of Los Angeles, and, which is the heart of the Black community, Black culture, Black activity here in Los Angeles. And I am so excited to be with you today and to share this next hour with you. If you'd like to follow us throughout the week, you can follow us at I Am Angela IamAngelaRedockWright on Instagram and Facebook. You can get all the updates about our upcoming shows, as well as other work that we're doing. In the legal community and beyond. Today's show, I am excited about. We have two attorneys that I know and have great admiration for Jim D. Simone with the V. Um, v James D. Simone Law Group and Jack Shadell, who is an attorney at Jackson Lewis. Um, they will be coming um, to us in just a few minutes, but before we get started with them, I'd like to, of course, give a shout out to. Uh, J Star, J Star Music, who you can find on Instagram. She wrote, produced, and performed our show Jingle, which we love. It always gets us going. Also, like to give a shout out to my Uncle Jimmy, who is celebrating his 75th birthday. And would like to thank all of our continuing listeners. You know who you are. Thank you so much for tuning in each week with us. And also to our new listeners, we have Alex in the AG Construction Company family based in San Fernando Valley area. And we have Greg from um, AG um, Inspections Termite and Pest Company and a number of other new listeners who we are excited to have with us. On this day in history, soul music singer Sam Cooke was born January 22nd, 1931. Um, Sam Cooke is the son of a minister and believed by many to be the first father of soul, soul music. He was born in Chicago, Illinois, and we know him for some of his greatest songs, such as You and Me, Only 16, and his very famous songs Stand By Me, and Shake, Rattle, and Roll. And so we dedicate today's show to the memory of Sam Cooke, and we'll be playing his songs, some of his, our favorites of his songs throughout the show. So happy birthday, Sam Cooke. May you continue to rest in peace. We're also sending love to actor, director Regina King in The Lost of Her Son, Ian. We know from seeing her in, in many interviews over, over the years that her son was near and dear to her heart and her first priority and her first love and so we just send love and light to you Regina we're praying for you we're thinking of you and we're here for you as you um go through this this very serious tragedy and just know that we're we're always here and sending love to you and so today we are talking about COVID-19 and the workplace and also the new laws some of the new laws that we have we see on deck for 2022 and to join us in this discussion we have attorney James, Jim James officially James D Simone I call him Jim and others call him Jim and attorney Jack Shadell. Odell, let's go ahead and bring our two guests online here. We are still in the middle of COVID, so we are definitely um, respecting COVID. And for this, the last week and the next few weeks, we'll probably have our guests online as opposed to in studio, just so that we all can can be sure to stay safe. Um, Attorney De Simone, you're on the line yes i am
1: good morning angela
0: good morning how are you today
1: everything's good thank you i'm thrilled to be on i mean i was thrilled to come on and and discuss this very serious topic with you but when i heard the lead-in and the hip-hop song (laughs) for your show it's like yes it does get you going
0: yes yes and I, i that's why i always like to play it and and shout the song out from week to week and i know you uh we always like to ask our guests who some of their favorite um, artists are in music. Um, and I know you are a big fan of the Grateful Dead, right?
1: I am, but I have to mention with Sam Cook's uh, birthday, his song, a change is going to come. Cause that's what we've been fighting for, for all these years, right? A change is going to come. And, um, yeah. So the one thing I love about the Grateful Dead, not everyone knows them. They, they can be very soulful. Their roots are in blues and Americana music, and um, they can also be a very inspirational band.
0: Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, so, Jim, we're going to start with you. Um, you are the founder of the V. James Simone Law Group, and a well-regarded employment law and civil rights attorney on the cutting edge of so many cases um, that we see in the news, and some that don't make the news. But we know that you're always there on the forefront, advocating for employees and families and um, those impacted by um, some of the, some of the laws. And top of the news. Um, Not just in your world, but just worldwide, is this issue of COVID nineteen in the workplace and um, what employers should should not be doing. Um, The laws in this area are constantly changing, evolving. um, That we have to wake up every day to see what's the latest in terms of COVID nineteen in the workplace. And um, this past week, I believe, or maybe two weeks ago, you filed the lawsuit that on behalf of the Haywood family. Um, against the county of Riverside. And tell us about that case. What's the basis for it, and and where is it currently in terms of its process?
1: Well, it really starts with California employers' obligation. And, And under the labor code, California's labor code, California employers are legally required to do everything reasonably necessary to protect the lives, the safety, and the health of their employees. And then that intersects with California's Fair Employment and Housing Act for the Haywood family, because in this instance, Mr. Haywood suffered from disabilities. His wife suffered from disabilities. So there's associational disabilities in these cases. And under California's Fair Employment and Housing Act, if an employee requests a reasonable accommodation and it's not an undue hardship, the employer is obligated to engage in an interactive process and provide that accommodation if they could.
0: Jim, and, I'm going to ask you to yeah. hold that thought for just one second, and we will continue the discussion talking about talking with attorney Jim D. Simone in a case he recently filed against the County of Riverside on behalf of the Haywood case, uh, on, on behalf of the Haywood family. And then we'll broaden the discussion to talk about COVID nineteen in the workplace and all of the new California laws, and bring attorney Jack Shadell into the conversation as well. You're tuned into KBLA Talk 1580. Stay tuned as we come forward and continue our discussion. We have a lot to talk about.
1: More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright, helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward.
0: Do you like to cha-cha-cha? That's Sam Cook. We are honoring the life and legacy of soul singer Sam Cooke. Today is his birthday. He was born in 1931 on January 22nd. This is Angela Reddock reich with Legal Lens on KBLA Talk 1580. Our power lines are open. Give us a call. Today we are talking about COVID-19 in the workplace as well as some of the new California laws on deck. Um, you can give us a call at one 800 920 1580. That's 1 800 920 1580. And um, you may be listening to us by your radio. Those who still have radios in their homes or, of course, in our cars, you can listen to us at 1580 KBLA 1580 on the AM dial. Or if you have to get up and get going, or do some chores, or go for your workout, or just um, as you're out and about on this Saturday, you can download our app and, of course, listen to us from anywhere in the world. Just download KBLA fifteen eighty on, on any of your listening or streaming devices. We are talking to Attorney James D. Simone, Jim D. Simone. I call him Jim. He's a friend, um, and. He recently filed, Jim Jim is a noted civil rights attorney and employment law attorney. He's always on the front lines and the cutting edge of the latest developments in civil rights law and employment law. And today we're talking about a case that he recently filed on behalf of the Haywood um, family against the county of Riverside. Jim, right before our break, you were telling us about that case, talking about the importance of employers engaging Um, employees in the interactive process. So let's continue that. Help us to understand what the core of this case is about and where it is in its process. Well, that's
1: right. I mean, Michael Haywood had worked for the County of Riverside for 15 years. He was their equipment service supervisor. He had shown that he could work remotely. There was some remote working by the time uh, this came around in the surge of December, 2020. But in December, 2020, he was worried. Folks at work started getting COVID-19 he asked for the accommodations. He asked to work from home. He did have to come in once every two weeks. He said, let's stagger schedules. So I'm not in the same office with other unmasked individuals. Remember, this was before the vaccine was widely available for folks. So he was very afraid of, the, of what could occur if he caught COVID the company, County of Riverside denied his request to work from home. They denied that reasonable accommodation. And tragically, he got sick. He was hospitalized on Christmas Day, December 25th, 2020, and he died in the hospital on February 2nd. His wife also got long haul COVID. She had those pre-existing conditions, autoimmune uh, issues. And so she has long haul COVID and is really suffering the effects of that. So. Traditionally, if if someone gets injured at work, right, then it it comes into the workers' comp basket, right? People can apply for workers' compensation and families can get compensated for a wrongful death in the workplace. We believe that we could take this case outside of workers' compensation because if someone requests a reasonable accommodation under the Fair Employment and Housing Act, they're denied that accommodation and they get injured, or worst case scenario here, they die then the company can be liable for violating that Fair Employment Housing Act. And that allows so much more in terms of damages and reasonable accommodation for a wrongful death than the limitations uh, that you have in workers' comp.
0: Thank you, Jim. What an excellent overview of that case and some of the general principles of what's required when an employee is injured in the workplace. Um, so, what you filed it in state court, Riverside County area? Riverside Superior Court? Okay. Yes, we did. And And is this a case of first impression? I know um, employment lawyers, civil rights lawyers, we've all been looking to see what the likely cases will um, come out of this COVID-19 era, which we obviously are still in. Um, To your knowledge, is this the first wrongful death case against an employer associated with COVID-19?
1: Well, nothing has made its way to the appellate court such that there's precedent. And I, I, you know, I, I don't, won't claim to know every case that's filed, but okay. I think it's one of the first. And, but, I, but I do think – well, let me put it this way. There is precedent in the law, Angela. There's a case of uh, Bugatti, I think it's versus County of San Bernardino, which basically you know, a woman requested reasonable accommodations, was denied, got physically injured at work. And it gotten taken out from under workers' compensation exclusivity. So I do believe there's precedent for this in other contexts. Now, there is a case, Seize Candy, uh, which recently came out, which does uphold our right to sue on behalf of uh, Michael Haywood's wife, Elizabeth Haywood, who got long-haul COVID because she's not subject to workers' comp exclusivity because she's not an employee of the county of Riverside. And, you know, Michael had four children. Eleven grandchildren he was sixty years old when he made this request. Um, it, it, you know he had his life in front of him. he loved his grandchildren. And, you know this is just a warning sign to people who have that authority in the workplace when we're dealing with these different surges as we are now to allow for flexibility to allow for those accommodations because you're really making life and death decisions that impact other people's lives and this family will never be the same and it could have been so simple. To just say, you know what, vaccines rolling out in a couple of months, you can work from home until, that, until that's done and will stagger your schedule otherwise when you have to come in so you're not coming into contact with people. They're simple solutions, but the result of not taking those simple solutions is, is, is tragedy.
0: Thank you, Jim, for um, providing us those um, insights on on the Haywood case. We definitely will be watching that case to see what happens and to see how it evolves. It raises so many new, well, s- s- legal issues that we've seen, but in a new context of this COVID in the pandemic world, and certainly even looking at the case um, on behalf of Mr. Haywood's wife and and seeing where that goes. So that helps us to um, set the stage for um, bringing Attorney Shadell in, Jack Shadell, who is a principal with the law firm Jackson Lewis, um, a well-regarded defense side or employer side um, employment law firm. Um, Jack and I have actually known each other for a number of years, went to law school together, and um, someone that I very much like, Jim, that I, I have great respect for. And just as passionate as Jim is about representing the interests of employees in the workplace and and also representing individuals in civil rights claims, Jack is as passionate and certainly an ambassador on behalf of employers and defending employers in terms of um workplace and employment law issues. So good morning, Jack, and welcome. Thank you for being on the line also.
2: Thank you so much, Angela. It's great to talk to you again. And and, I want to give a shout out to all of our friends uh, from UCLA, uh, which is where you and I met almost 30 years ago. Oh, Jack,
0: Um, stop aging me on this call, please. (laughs)
2: Oh, you were very, very, you, know, you might have been the youngest student in UCLA history, Angela. Yes, I was a protege.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. And so, Jack, before we, we jump into the discussion, um, as you heard, we are celebrating the life of Sam Cooke today, um, um, soul singer, and Jim shared with us that uh, we know from following him that he's um, passionate about the Grateful Dead. Um, who Who's one of your favorite singers or groups that you that get you inspired?
2: Sure. Uh, Currently, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Gary Clark Jr. Okay, Gary Clark brings a lot of different genres together, uh, a lot of blues and and soul, but he's a phenomenal guitarist and and, uh, draws in a lot of rock and roll. Um, So traditionally, I'd say probably the Beatles are my favorite um, from way back. Uh, Going back to to my childhood, I used to listen to them. And and, uh, as I got a little older, I got to college, I started to listen to uh, some Public Enemy, and and was introduced to the, to the to hip hop and I you know had got to have my views challenged a little bit by Chuck D okay. and uh, <laughs> you know had had, had a lot of, got to hear his perspective on things and uh, yeah so it's been an evolution for me and and uh, but yeah I, I like so many different kinds of music I I, could, I can I also like the Grateful Dead so maybe I'll see Jim and that. <laughs> Uh, at a Dead & Company show someday when they good, come good. back again. <laughs> well, I always ask the question
0: because hearing about um, folks' playlists tells a lot about who we are and the things that we're passionate about in addition to our work. And so, Jack, as I mentioned, I, um, you are a passionate advocate on behalf of employers and represent employers every day. What are you seeing in terms what kind of issues are you advising your clients, your employer clients on, with respect to um, COVID nineteen in the workplace, what's kind of top of mind these uh, since the new year for your your clients?
2: Sure, thank you. Yes, well, you know, very often when, when society is faced with something a massive challenge like this, whether it be you know immigration over the years or healthcare over the years, um, it seems like the employers are often asked to bear a lot of the burden uh, of society on, on this, and COVID nineteen is really no different. Um, we saw tons and tons of new legislation that came out of Congress and out of uh, Sacramento and out of uh, Los Angeles County and, and wherever our listeners are listening today around the country, around the world, you know, your jurisdiction is doing the same thing. Very often that lands in the workplace. So uh, California employers, uh, and particularly in Los Angeles, have uh, uh, requirements to uh, to report uh, COVID outbreaks. They have, um, as Mr. DeSimone, as Jim was talking about earlier, uh, California has, California employers have always had an obligation to provide a safe uh, workplace. And now that, that has been um, uh, highlighted uh, by, by COVID. So uh, whether it be uh, providing social distancing at at work, providing masks or uh, providing, uh, making sure that that workers are vaccinated in certain industries, um, employers have had to, to bear that. But in addition to that, some of the steps that they take uh, will also trigger other obligations. So, for example, I have a case right now where employers and an employer was doing uh, temperature checks uh, to comply with local orders. And uh, someone has come along and said, well, uh, you didn't pay them for the um, the time that they were doing temperature checks. And even though the average time was about 16 seconds on that, uh, still the, the, uh, the attorneys are pushing that issue and, and asking that they be compensated. Uh, for that time, so so even by complying with certain uh, COVID uh, restrictions or, or COVID obligations or, or any kind of health obligations, uh, employers still need to, to realize that when you go too far in one direction, uh, you're opening yourself up in another direction uh, for other types of liability. So lots of issues.
0: That that's really interesting. So with the temperature checks, they were is the argument that they were doing those sort of on the break, or were they? Actually, was it in the middle of their workday, or was separate from their normal workday schedule? Uh,
2: it, it was before uh, the workday, so okay. um, as you, it, it was sort of a requirement when you enter the building, uh, and this applied to customers as well as employees. So it was not not even an employment rule; it was just anyone entering the building had to be checked uh, for temperature. So before they checked in, so the argument there was, well, this was you know time that they were, excuse <clears> me, <throat> subjected to the employer's control. And because they were under the employer's control, uh, standing in line, and, you know, it might have been one person, might have been two people, occasionally it might have been five people standing in line, it might take up to a minute, um, that that sometimes is considered uh, time worked. And even though it might be only a small amount of time, uh, there's there's a development recently that's uh, rejected what's known as the de minimis argument, meaning um, uh, even a, a very minimal time um, that, that is taken out of your day still may be um, – uh, recognized as, by the by the law as a uh, as a damage, and you know employers may be called to answer for that. So th- that's but, in California. Other states don't have the same
0: laws. Very interesting. And um, so, Jack, your comments sort of frame the idea that what I've heard from many employers is that these times are challenging for them because one, they have you know they're trying to keep their doors open and just stay operating. Um, but two, they're trying to observe the health and safety precautions um, to create a safe work environment for employees. But also um, when employees are working and they either contract COVID in the workplace or possibly associated with the workplace, making sure that they honor the employee's um, the requirements to engage employees in the uh, reasonable accommodation to provide them the necessary time off. What are your clients, Jack, saying in terms of, um, you know, trying to balance all of these things? Are are your clients against the the regulations that are coming out um, that require employees to, employers to ensure folks are vaccinated or tested, or as you mentioned, temperature checking, or do they find that these laws are helping them to create a safe environment and to, to honor their responsibility as employers to, to create a safe environment?
2: Well, that's an excellent question, mm-hmm. and I think the answers are going to be as varied as, as the different clients that I represent. I think, by and large, most people are generally okay. They want to be vaccinated themselves, and they want other people around them to be vaccinated. Uh, when you get into a mandate i you know that that always gets people a little bit concerned because then you you're not you 're taking away people 's uh you know choice or people 's freedom uh, the The current mandate now in, in California certain mandates apply only to certain industries like um, people in adult care or in schools or in health care uh, but as as we all know the the federal rule that that uh employers with hundred or more employees had to be uh, vaccinating all of their employees. That was struck down. Um, so employers walk a fine line here because they want to, you know, every employer wants to stop uh, the spread of, of COVID. Um, people having COVID, people getting sick uh, is terrible for anybody, um, terrible for, for the people who get sick, but it's also terrible for business. And, and there's no reason that any business wants any of its employees to be sick, uh, it doesn't want to be shutting down, doesn't want to be... Um, Closing, uh, furloughing anybody. It'd rather be, you know, open and working. So here's the challenge. So you can have a vac, you can ask everyone or you can try to require everyone to have a vaccine, but uh, other laws apply too. So people have religious objections or people may have uh, medical reasons why they can't uh, get vaccinated. So even if you're trying to do, quote, the right thing and have everybody vaccinated, you still have to take care of each individual person who may need um, a reasonable accommodation. Um, and, and Jim was talking about the concept of reasonable accommodation earlier. But that concept is not new to COVID. Uh, COVID comes to us in in 2020, uh, and it hits, you know, like like a ton of bricks, and everyone has to, you know, figure out what to do. But for employers, they have to realize all the rules that always applied before, 2020, um, and there were many of them, they still apply. So the other rules didn't get suspended just because COVID came.
0: COVID- Hold that thought, Jack. Um, we are continuing our discussion on COVID 19 in the workplace and upcoming on the new employment laws with attorneys Jim D. Simone and Jack Shadell. Stay tuned. Um, now we have news and traffic. Happy Saturday, everyone. This is Angela Reddock Wright, Legal Lens with Angela Reddock Wright on KBLA Talk 1580. That's Sam Cook. We're celebrating his birthday today. You send me and on the line with us, two noted um, employment law attorneys, Jim D. Simone and Jack Shadell. And we they have been breaking down for us this within this hour. Um some of the top of mind issues around COVID-19 in the workplace and the challenges that um, employers face and um, issues that arise with employees um, as everyone attempts to navigate these issues in this this new place that we've been with the pandemic. Um, Jack, right before the break, you were um, kind of breaking down more so, and Jim started the discussion earlier, around this concept of reasonable accommodation in the interactive process. And when I look at the COVID-19 and the workplace issues, I kind of divide them into two categories. There's the issue of, there's the requirement that employers create a healthy and safe work environment, and that involves issues of You know, will employers require, you know, employees to be vaccinated, um, tested, masks, social distancing, temperature checks, etc. And then for those employees who are actually at work, um, working in the midst of the pandemic, if someone... Um, is injured so to speak or develops COVID or some other medical condition um, during this time what's the duty of employers in that situation and that becomes that raises the questions around the interactive process and reasonable accommodation. Jack can you just break down those two concepts for us from the employer's perspective what's required and then Jim I want to here, of course, get your response to that in terms of what do you think are some of the biggest missteps employers make when it comes to issues of the interactive process and reasonable accommodation? So Jack, just break it down in a way that our, our listeners can can understand. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, so there's a, an
2: obligation in California that employers provide a safe uh, workplace. So when it comes to something like, uh, like COVID-19, that presents a new challenge. Um, now, you know, people can get COVID-19 anywhere, and, and you don't know exactly, you know, where it's transmitted or what. But as an employer, the obligation is to take reasonable steps. So um, not not extraordinary steps, and it's not like a strict, um, you know, liability standard. If someone gets gets sick, it, you can't necessarily prove that, you know, where it happened. But still, you you want to, as the employer, have taken what steps you can. So that's why you see uh, when you walk into any uh, building these days, uh, you know, people asking you to mask up, people uh, in some places asking uh, to prove uh, that, that you're vaccinated, etc. But on the other hand, if you go too far in that uh then then you 're not respecting people 's uh, either disabilities or potentially religious objections, which is why I was saying earlier that you have to do what 's known as a reasonable accommodation and a reasonable accommodation is something that that you can do that is not doesn 't create an undue hardship on you as an employer but allows the person to do uh, his or her job uh, at the workplace so in the covid nineteen situation if someone let 's say uh, can 't be vaccinated, then that might be uh, like a negative test. Uh, requirement. So say, OK, well, then you have to uh, go for periodic testing to demonstrate that, you know, you're not putting other people at risk by coming in uh, with COVID-19 um, if you're unvaccinated. And then that on top of it leads to more employer obligations, because while the person is being tested, uh, they're incurring expenses potentially. And it's also time that they're spending. So employers have to be uh, mindful of that, because otherwise Jim will come and uh, think of a way to, to drop a lawsuit on them, right, Jim?
0: Well, that's a great transition to Jim. What are your thoughts about what Jack said in terms of the interactive pro- the duty that employers have to engage employees in the interactive process to provide a reasonable accommodation? What are some of the biggest missteps that, that you're seeing, Jim?
1: Well, in, in addition to what we discussed previously, I, I think, you know, let's face it, we, the, the Virus has, there's been an evolution, but there were a lot, there was a lot of misinformation, uh, put out, especially in, in 2020. And, um, so what you have, well, I'd like to, you know, agree with Jack that there are a lot of employers who are out there who are trying to do the right thing and keep the workplace safe. There are some employers that, um, really look at productivity over people and they didn't take those safe steps. So, in addition to what um, holding the employer liable for those types of injuries, which you also have in situations, you know a human resources person trying to get the management to make the workplace safe. management's like, "No, no, we, we don't want to uh, let people work remotely, and then that human resource person gets fired.' I've seen cases like that. So, if someone is advocating for a safer workplace and there's resistance and then they suffer an adverse employment action. That could be a wrongful termination in violation of public policy and also gives rise to, to, to a lawsuit. So those are some of the types of things. But I agree with Jack in California. Basically, if you are requiring those employees to, to take those tests, then it's something that probably the employer has to pay for under the labor code because it's something that's necessary for, for, for their work. So it does impose an additional obligation. It may be inconvenient for the employer. But is it an undue hardship? That's what the employer would have to show to say we shouldn't have to do those things. And that could be a very high uh, bar depending on the size of the employer and, and so on.
0: Excellent. Well, I, it's always great to see where the uh, two uh, attorneys agree to something, uh, especially if they're one plaintiff and one an employer-side attorney. So um, as a mediator, it's great to see the points of um, intersection. So, Jack. Hey, we, J-
1: hey, we've got UCLA and Public Enemy, too. I'm a UCLA lawyer. Right, right. So <laughs> we're batting 100 <laughs> during, today. <laughs> law
0: school as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> see, we all can get Chuck, along. We all can get along here. <laughs> so, Jack. Um, He is
1: still putting in the work. I admire him greatly. Go ahead. Yes.
0: So um, as we just close out this segment around COVID-19 in the workplace, um, Jack, the law is, like I said, we wake up every day okay, wondering what's the current state of the law. Can you just clarify for our listeners on the health and safety side, what is the current state? law in terms of vaccines required, not required, testing required, masks required, social distancing. Give us kind of a a truncated um, overview of of where we are currently on those issues.
2: Sure. Uh, Yeah. Well, there's no current vaccine requirement for California employers generally. Uh, It only applies in certain industries. and I mentioned those earlier. Uh, And the federal requirement was struck down. However, uh, each county has its own, uh, rules as well. Most of them fall into things like, uh, like masking, social distancing, et cetera. So if you're indoors, and those are rules that apply, uh, whether it's in a workplace or not a workplace. So even, you know, customers walking through a mall, for example, are subject to, to similar rules. Uh, employers though do also have reporting requirements. So if you have an outbreak, in your, your workplace, you may have an obligation to notify your public health agency. And that, that's gonna vary from, from county to county and from city to city. Uh, but yeah, again, employers are being asked and required to, to bear a large burden of, uh, of the societal burden uh, of, of, of dealing with COVID and of the
0: response. And um, any thoughts on that, Jim, before we close out this yep. part of our conversation? Oh.
1: Yeah, I just want to encourage people if they think that they have a situation where they have been treated unfairly at work, contact an employment lawyer. I know Jack mentioned, let's face it, it's hard to necessarily prove Beyond a reasonable doubt, where someone got COVID, these are civil cases. You just have to show that more likely than not they contracted in the workplace. And if employer hasn't done the right thing in terms of providing those safe workplace practices, at least see and talk to a lawyer to see if there's there's some recourse. Because um, in in that way, I, I've always liked to think is we by doing this type of work, we serve deter employers and. I had to give a shout out to the Youth Justice Coalition, do civil rights work as well. They've done great work in the community, getting good laws passed. Um, You really want to be able to know your rights. And and the first step is to try to see if you get a lawyer to uh, consult with.
0: Thank you both so much. An excellent discussion on COVID 19 in the workplace and some of the current issues and trends. Stay tuned. We're going to continue our discussion with attorneys Jim D. Simone, Jack Shadell. We're going to turn the discussion to highlight and quickly talk about some of the new laws, workplace laws. Stay tuned. KBLA, Talk 1580.
1: More of Legal Lens with Angela Reddick Wright, helping you see legal issues more clearly when we come forward.
0: That's Sam Cooke, what a wonderful world. We're celebrating his birthday today. He was born January 22nd. 1931, he would have been 91 years old today. We love you, Sam Cook, and thank you for the legacy of your music. We are talking to attorneys Jim De Simone and Jack Shadell. They gave us some great insights on the current trends and topics on COVID-19 in the workplace. In our last couple of segments here with them, just want to see if we could quickly touch on some of the new California employment laws in particular. Um, gentlemen, there has been um, a lot of development around the issues of wage and hour law. We saw an increase in the minimum wage um, to $14 per hour for small employers, $15 an hour for larger employers. There's now new laws on the book related to this concept of wage theft where employers can now be criminally charged. Um with the felony, if they fail to wrongfully or intentionally withhold wages from employees, including tips, and also we see where um, on-demand employers such as um, Uber and company Postmates and companies like that have to provide the full tips to their delivery drivers. Um, Jack, uh, California, have we gone too far? Is the, Are these laws too much of a burden on employers? What are your clients saying? And Jim, of course, I want to get your thoughts on this as well.
2: Sure. Um, yes, and uh, I just want to add, I'm speaking for myself uh, today. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm also, yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here as a representative of a law firm or any of my clients. However, I have seen a lot of clients uh, either leave California or decide that they didn't want to move into California or they've kept... Uh, an absolute minimal presence in california if they can avoid it and it's because of the laws that you're seeing uh we recently saw uh tesla leave and one of the uh assembly people you know was, was explicit uh when when uh when tesla complained about something uh said f tesla and and uh, tesla got the message and and uh, off it went so um now, is a massive company, and it can handle it itself. It can pay for, you know, it has large, uh, you know, legal departments, et cetera. But a lot of these companies really don't. And, you know, you mentioned minimum wage for larger and smaller employers. Okay, so it's $15 an hour if you have 25 or more. It's 14 if you have under 25. Um, but all, almost all of the other empl- um, uh, employment laws apply even to employers with five or more Employees. Right. And while it, while it's easy to say, well, you know, they should just do the right thing. They should just be decent. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the people who are employers are just like you and me. They just happen to have opened a business, and no one is out there saying, oh, today I'm going to discriminate against people. Today I'm going to harass people. So it's not that necessarily that they get that they do the wrong thing, but if they get sued for allegedly doing the wrong thing. The cost to them is going to be uh, six figures in legal fees and, you know, potentially a settlement because they just can't take the risk that a jury um, will find against them. If you have extremely talented and very, very smart and well-spoken lawyers like Jim on the other side who can take a situation that, and, and, and portray it in such a way that, oh, okay, and the jury's going to say, well, okay, yeah, let's give this person a million, let's give this person a few million, you know, a million here, a million there, it adds up for a company. And they may decide to leave. So, yeah, I would say on balance, yes, the laws have gone way too far.
0: And, and Jack, we definitely um, hear you and appreciate that you're speaking on behalf of yourself and not your firm or or your clients. And and definitely appreciate you for for giving those um, personal insights. And you always do a great setup for Jim. So, Jim, want to hear your comments on that um, when we come back um, about the new laws around the minimum wage, this concept of wage theft theft, and tips to food and delivery drivers. Stay tuned. KBLA Talk 1580. More
1: of KBLA Talk 1580's all-new weekend lineup when we come forward.
0: Sam Cook is Saturday, January 22nd. Hopefully, this is going to be a great Saturday night for you all and that you all are enjoying your time off. We're talking to Jim D Simone and Jack Shadell about the latest in employment laws. Jim, just before the break, Jack gave some um, personal insights about the new laws around the minimum wage, wage theft, and tips for um, on-demand drivers. What are your thoughts about that? Do you think California is going in the right direction?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, overall, California has a thriving economy, and I know that it doesn't always – that doesn 't mean that everyone is doing well, but if a company can 't pay a living wage, then their business model must be off I and mean, what good does it do if you 're employing a lot of people but folks can 't feed their family or pay their rent or um do the say, pay for health care, which is also a big issue in in this day so um the employees need to be protected. I love the new wage theft law because the most the cases that I get the most and they're cases that we can't always help is people who say, I've done all this work, but I'm not getting paid and therefore if it's now a crime, it now has the teeth. Now that all that the laws are on the books, now they have to be enforced. But I will, I do think that it gives another uh, you know, quiver and an arrow in the quiver, rather, for employees to, to basically say, look, I don't want to do this, but you need to pay me for the work that I, that, that, that I did. And, you know, employers can get insurance. There's EPLI insurance, employment practices liability insurance, that can uh, basically serve to protect their businesses, and, and employers should have that. It's very important. When we bring a case when the insurance is, is available as a way to recover, at least if you're dealing with an employee who may not be able to pay the type of damages that we can get in these types of lawsuits to allow an insurance company. And that's what in, in insurance is, is for. And if these big companies like Tesla, who recently got hit with a $130 million punitive damage ward against it for race discrimination in their workplace and not protecting individuals who are subjected to race harassment, I'm not saying goodbye, Tesla. We want to get rid of you, but it does allow for space for entrepreneurs, for smaller businesses to arise in our communities. We've seen so much in the past two years that people who have ingenuity, who have a plan, who get it together can compete in our capitalist system, which we, we have here and, and do well. So it does, when one, when one door closes, another door opens, it provides for those opportunities and gives space for those opportunities.
0: Well, folks, that is it. Uh, Jack, I'm so sorry I can't give you the opportunity to, to respond to Jim's comments, but I oh, okay. <laughs> uh, definitely look forward to having you both back as uh, kind of our on call experts on um, plaintiff side and defense side employment law issues. And um, both of you mentioned Tesla, and Jim just mentioned the big verdict against Tesla. So we definitely look forward to having uh, one of the attorneys from that case, uh, plaintiff side attorneys from that case, Bernard Alexander on the show in the future thank you both Attorney Jim DeSimone v. V. DeSimone Law Group. You can give him a call, employees, if you have any issues. And then uh, for employers, definitely give Jack Shadell a call. He's at the law firm Jackson Lewis. Um, Next up is Cynthia Brooks with Urban Wellness Now. And please join me next week where I will have Holly Mitchell, who is the newly elected chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. We look forward to hearing about her goals and objectives as the chair of the board and we'll also talk about the Crown Act, which she authored when she was in the California Senate. In the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. This is Angela Redock-Wright, Legal Lens with Angela Redock-Wright, every Saturday and Sunday, KBLA Talk, 1580. Legal Lens with Angela Talk, 1580. Every Saturday, 11 a.m.,